This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Month seven, month seven was when Gedaliah, who was the ruler that the Babylonians put in place, was killed, he was murdered in month seven. That's in 2 Kings 25, 2 Kings 25, 25, 2 Kings 25, 25. But it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama, the seed royal, came and 10 men with him and smote Gedaliah that he died and the Jews and the Chaldeans that were with him in Mitzvah. That was in month seven. Month 10, month 10, these are not in chronological order, Month 10 was when Jerusalem was set under siege before it was destroyed, when it was set under siege. That's given to us in 2 Kings 25.1. 2 Kings 25.1, it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the 10th month, in the 10th day of the month, that Zember, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came and he and all his host against Jerusalem and pitched against it, and they built forts against it round about, and the city was besieged in the 11th year of King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah. And here in verse three, where we are, we see them asking God if they should continue this religious tradition or fasting or stop this religious tradition or custom of fasting. The fact that something has been done for a long time is no reason why it has to continue. It's just because something was done by way of tradition for a long time does not mean that it should continue. Now, these men were sent by Zechariah to ask God if they should continue to do this traditional fast as they had. You know, the Jewish people have holidays. They have holidays, very important holidays, like Passover and Purim and Hanukkah, and, and then not just normal holidays, then there's high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You know, and Yom Kippur is a fast all day and a time to remember all the sins of the previous year. And then there's certain practices which are associated with Jewish holidays. For example, the Seder meal at Passover or in the using of a noisemaker 
during Purim or lighting candles in Hanukkah or eating apples and honey and going to synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and fasting and going to synagogue on, on Yom Kippur. Very important, must be done. And if he asks the question, how is God involved in all these practices? A typical answer is, what's God got to do with it? This is just what we do, it's tradition. And so the Jewish holidays are really, what's God got to do with it holidays? They're just like the holidays of Christmas with its gift giving and Lent with his ashes on the forehead of Easter with its Sunday meal. They're all what's God got to do with it holidays. And the four fasts during the year had become like that. What's God got to do with it? So when God was asked if they should continue with the fast, God said, since you brought it up, since you brought up the subject, what's God got to do with this fast? My question to you is verse five. Verse five, God says, speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests saying, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, did you at all fast unto me, even to me? That phrase that God uses there is repeated for emphasis, unto me, even to me, fast unto me, even unto me. As a matter of fact, this phrase, fast unto me, is unique in the book of Zechariah. No other place in the Bible is this phrase used, fast unto me. Now, we normally don't think of a, of a person fasting to someone else, but this is what God was asking. Were you fasting as a religious tradition? Or were you praying as a religious tradition? Were you praying before me? Were you fasting before me? Were you fasting just to make yourself miserable? Were you fasting to try to appear unto men to fast? Or were you fasting to become what a baby is when he's hungry? I remember when Cheryl was working with her friend, Dottie, and they started talking about their husbands. I probably shouldn't even tell you this, but anyway, she's not here to get after me for it, so I will. Uh, like I said, she was working with her best friend and, and with her friend, and they started talking about their husbands, and Cheryl's friend said to Cheryl, we all know what men want. Well, God set that sexual desire in a man so he would focus on his wife. Fasting creates desire. When a baby is hungry, he wants nothing more than his mother. He knows he is hungry to his mother. His need drives him to his mother. That's what God is asking the people if they were fasting to be driven to God. You know, I used to say to Cheryl, I love you. I used to say, I love you. You know, I stopped doing that. You know why I stopped doing that? Because every time I would say, I love you, she would respond with, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and God continued on this subject. Did you do all these religious practices without me in the center of your thoughts? without listening to me, without obeying me? And so God asked them another question. In verse seven, in verse seven, he said, should you not hear the words with the Lord had, which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and the cities thereof round about when men inhabited the south and the plain? So God was saying in verse seven, you should have heard the words of God when you were in prosperity. You know, people today, especially in this country, in this city, they're in relative prosperity. Let me tell you, you go to Ethiopia, they are, the people here are rich. I went to Ethiopia, I thought I was gonna go to, a, what do they call it, second world country, third world, I don't know what they call it, third world country, it's a 10th world country. 
Well, people here, you know, they don't have all they want, but they do have all they need. And that puts them in the mode of, so who needs God? Who needs God? I'm good. Who needs God? But now is the time to hear God and to respond to him before it's too late, as it was for the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell and was concerned that his brothers did not end in hell and wanted someone to return from the dead to warn them, and he was told by Abraham in Luke 16, 23, Luke 16, 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. And now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence you to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they should come unto this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. He said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The whole conversation between the rich man in hell and Abraham boiled down to the point of verse seven. Verse seven, should you not hear the words which the Lord have cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity? and the cities thereof, when men inhabited the south of the plain. Abraham was saying to the rich man in hell, you should have listened. You should have listened to the words which the Lord cried in the Bible when you felt that you didn't need God. And the point of verse seven is another one of those oh verses in the Bible. Oh, when God cries out with an oh as in, oh, I don't want to cast you into hell. Oh, I want to save you. Oh, I wish you would respond wisely to my invitations to be saved, as in Deuteronomy 32.29. Deuteronomy 32.29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. God was saying, just think of what's going to happen to you after you die. Deuteronomy 5.29, Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them with their children forever. God wants to do well to his people, but they wouldn't submit to God and therefore let the good times roll. Isaiah 48.18, Isaiah 48.18. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had my peace, thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. God wants to give peace. He wants to let the, the people be protected by imparting to them the righteousness of Christ so that when he looks on them, he doesn't see their sin, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. He says, I wanna do it so much, I wanna do it like waves of the sea that keep on coming and don't stop. Psalm 81, 13, Psalm 81, 13. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. 
I should assume subdued their enemies, turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. How terrible it is to see God yearn saying, oh, that my people, oh, that my son, oh, that my daughter. Like Abraham cried out for Ishmael, oh, that Ishmael lived before you. Here's God saying, I wish my people would have listened to me. Their enemies should have been subdued. Their needs could have been met. They could have been satisfied. He stands before all Jerusalem. He stands before all Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37. Matthew 23, 37, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. When God says those words, how often would I have gathered? God is saying, every time I saw you in trouble, I wanted to protect you. I wanted to guard you. I wanted to rescue you. I wanted to save you, but you wouldn't have me. Just like the man who told the pastor who told me in the Philippines when I was there, he said, I met him, a man. And he said, the man said, I would rather burn in hell than believe in Jesus. Luke 19, 41 When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at this, at least this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thine eyes. Christ looks at Jerusalem. His heart is broken. His heart is broken because of a willful ignorance. I'd rather burn in hell than to believe in Christ. I would rather not know anything about him. A willful ignorance. And Christ said that willful ignorance is a fatal ignorance. Luke 12, 16, Luke 12, 16, he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my goods? He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns, build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God said the rich man was a fool for not realizing that his time was short and he would have to give an account. These statements, all these statements come down to verse seven, come down to verse seven. Should ye not hear the words which the Lord has cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity? If so much good can come to man just by him listening and obeying God, why won't he do it? Why won't man just listen to God and obey him? Why won't we? And God said, Zechariah 7, 7, verse 7, verse 7, Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity. The hardest time to hear God is when there's prosperity. Actually, there's two times when it's hard to hear God. And those two times are listed in Proverbs 30, verse eight. Proverbs 30, verse eight. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, literally allotted for me, my allotment. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? 
or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Two conditions set a man at danger of not listening to God, not obeying God, and they are poverty and wealth. Poverty and wealth. The danger with poverty is is the temptation to do whatever you gotta do to survive. Steal if you gotta steal to survive. The danger with wealth is the temptation to say, I did it my way in my life. I made it, who needs God? And God anticipates this. He anticipates the, what? Not listen to God? What, not obey God? I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not a thief, so how am I not listening to God? How am I not obeying God? So God gives a list. He goes ahead and gives a list in verses nine through 10. Verses nine through 10 is where he says, you can do this, do this, do this, and then he really drills down. He drills down in verse 10 when he says, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. That means not just to do it to another person, that means just not to imagine in your heart. Don't wish it, he says. Don't think it, he says. Don't imagine yourself doing it, he says. Don't imagine someone else doing it, he says. This is what the Lord Jesus was saying in Matthew 5.22, Matthew 5.22, when he said, but I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka is in fool, shall be in danger of the council, and whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. This was a great difference between the common teaching and the teaching of the word of God. The common teaching is that you're not guilty till you do it. The Bible teaches you're guilty when you think it. Deuteronomy 15.9, Deuteronomy 15.9. Beware that there be not a thought in your wicked heart saying, the seventh year of release is at hand, and so forth. And then God said what the, what the response was to him in verses 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12. But they refused to hearken. They pulled away the shoulder. They stopped their ears. They shouldn't hear. They made their heart as an adamant or a diamond stone, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent in the spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath. God painted a pretty graphic picture there with all those words, verse seven, they refused. Verse 11, they pulled away the shoulder. Verse 11, they stopped their ears. They should not hear. Verse 12, they made their hearts as, an, as a, like a diamond, lest they should not hear. All those statements come down to a description. Man is stubborn. We are stubborn against God, which leads to the question, why? Why is man so stubborn? Why are we so self-destructive? Because man in his fallen nature is described in verse 11, Verse 11, refusing to hearken, pulling away the shoulders, stopping the ears. Verse 11 is, is describing really two responses to God, two responses to God. The first response is they refuse to hear. That means that when God speaks, man just pretends like he doesn't hear. I didn't hear, didn't hear. He looks the other way. He doesn't hear. He's deaf. I don't know. You know how maddening that is when someone does that to you? You're talking to someone and they pretend like they don't hear you? That's what God is saying. The first uh, response of man is in this stubbornness. He just pretends like he doesn't hear God. What, what, was that to me? I didn't hear you. The second response is when he's confronted by God, he has to hear God. 
as in God putting his hand on their shoulder says, hey, buddy, stop. And then it says, he pulls his shoulder away, get your hands off me. Or he puts cotton in his ears, he won't hear. He stopped their ears, literally reads, they made their own ears heavy along the lines of Acts 7.51, Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. The problem with man, our problem is Romans 8.7, Romans 8.7, the carnal man, the carnal mind, the carnal mind is enmity against God, it's not subject to God, to the law of God, neither indeed can be. We have a disease. We have a disease of our minds, that's all, it's very simple. We have a disease in the mind, our minds go away from God, our minds wanna be independent from God, which is why we need Christ our shepherd to continually bring us back to God. The metal's bent the wrong way in us, and we need the forger to put the pressure on the metal continually. As soon as he takes his hand off of the metal, the metal goes bong, springs back the wrong way again. We need our shepherd, and time is limited for an opportunity for a person to reverse course and turn to God before the most terrible consequence happens, which is described in verse 13. Verse 13, it'll come to pass as I cry, as he cried, as God cried, and they would not hear. So they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. God uses this word cry, not just speak, but cry to describe what he does to man. He cries to man, man doesn't respond. The Lord hath cried in verse seven, in verse 13. The Lord hath cried, he cried, verse 13. And now man cries to God, and God does not respond. Do you know what that is? Do you know there are sounds in hell? There are sounds in hell, and the sounds are of unanswered cries to God. That's when, that in hell, there really is the sound of, oh my God, and meaning, oh my God. That's the most terrible thing that can happen to a person when God says that he will not hear as they call on him in Proverbs 124, Proverbs 124, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. You said it not all my counsel with none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they cry upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. They turned a deaf ear to God, God turns a deaf ear to them. Proverbs 28, 9, Proverbs 28, 9. He turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. But the remedy is so simple. It's so simple. Realize how dirty, realize how rotten is personal sin. Turn to Christ. Turn to Christ who died for the sins to be saved and get under his shepherdship. And better is now. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, behold, now is the accepted time, behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the shepherd always waiting for the lost sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.